Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Hurtwood Muse podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm currently recording on a very blustery autumnal day just before we hit half-term. This episode probably isn't going to land until after the half-term break, I'm not sure. Yeah, probably not until after the half-term break. So, yeah, hope you all had a great one. Hope you're all feeling full of vim and vigour and ready to start again another seven-week slog at Hurtwood House. This week, uh, for your interest and your consideration, we've got a conversation between Belle, Maggie and Ross, who have started the self-styled Good Feminine Content podcast. It sort of invites a particular reading, that phrase, doesn't it? Good feminine content. I'm not, um, there's the backstory there, which I think I might get them to explain uh, themselves. But yeah, I like it as a title a lot. Um, they discuss loads of things. They discuss uh, Austin, Angela Carter, George Eliot, Tennessee Williams, and other literature that delves deep on the issue of womanhood. It's really thought provoking stuff. They are eloquent, they are passionate about these things. Um, and uh, Ross manages to not seem too awkward in this in this room of like, fiery people talking about feminist literature um excellent contributions from all three of them we hope you enjoy until next time folks keep listening to the hurtwood muse podcast bye so we're going to be like discussing feminism feminist literature through different eras different times in which a lot of i guess thoughts and opinions on the matter of female voices have differentiated throughout time and whatnot so i think it's just a very casual discussion i guess um in other words welcome to the good female content (laughs) podcast (laughs) oh my gosh okay (laughs) (laughs) um so where do you want to start so i feel like a good point to start with is let's oh yeah so this is Belle. This is our guest, Ross. Hi. Russell. We have Ross here today. <laughs> <laughs> For the first time <laughs> in the cupboard. First and only time. Uh, <laughs> joking. No bullying here. <laughs> so, let's talk about Jane Austen. Yeah. So. Has anybody read any novels from Jane Austen? She wrote Pride and Prejudice, right? She did, yes. yes. Yeah, I read that a while back. We have a uh, Persuasion. Emma, sense and sensibility. Yeah, all good comfort reads. Very nice. They all kind of like deal with the, I guess, suppression of female voices yeah. and conformity of women in traditional roles that I guess people yeah. place onto them during time. That mm. time, like 
Mum was a Regency England. Yeah, and her like main characters had like a good, strong, confident mind and were like portrayed really like in a good feminist light. I think. Yeah, I think it's like breaking the the barrier, breaking the stereotype of mm-hmm. what women should be and how they should act. <laughs> yeah. In in like regarding like with a man, like how they should act as a man in in the household, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't know. yeah, like Louise Power. was telling us how, although there's a stereotype of the women's domain being the kitchen and the bedroom, it's that stereotype of all that's all women can be. That's why it's so harmful. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. So even now, it's still kind of a thing. Like yeah. in certain countries, like Saudi Arabia, like it was seen as very liberal for allowing women to drive a few years ago. And, yeah. And my dad was there, like he said, the police would just pull over a woman because they could. Mm. Yeah. That's I think a major like, issue. Um, during like the suffragette movement and everything, and like this was this was in like 1900s. It was I don't know if I don't know if this was like relevant to UK, but in Ireland, um, if if women women were allowed to be teachers, right? But if they got pregnant, they had to quit their job mm. and it's like that that's all they can be yeah. and if you have a child you that should be your full it's just vile focus. Like that thought. Like and that's even, all yeah. you are just just a vessel yeah. for another human being and that's even how like modern day it's i think it was like 1970s it was like made illegal for like in interviews for um women or like men or like, interviewers to interview women and say, are you going to have, do you think you're going to have children? Um, and however, it keeps on happening. And yeah. So let's get down to the, to the bone of this. Let's get down to business. <laughs> <laughs> Ross looks very scared. <laughs> Don't worry, Ross, it's fine. <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> so, so let's talk about the aliases. Oh, so, yeah. Although Austen did not have a male pen name per se, she did publish all of her novels anonymously, with the front covers of her books simply date stating by a lady. Which is quite it's quite cute, I think. By a lady? Yeah. So it was implied that a woman had written this. Yeah. yeah. And quite it's ballsy. still yeah. is considered a critically acclaimed mm-hmm. novel. Quite ballsy. Like, yeah, at, it is at quite the time b- of yeah, like, like what was going on. That is quite it's like, Brave. look at this amazing piece of work, but you don't know who it is, but it's a woman. Does anybody so. know at the time when novels were first published, like, did they receive praise or um, were they simply... I feel like they would no. have been incredibly sexist. As soon as they saw the mm. cover, they were like, no, this is bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you were saying before, like, um, how they, like, accepted it and put it out, but, like, it wasn't given, like, credibility. Yeah. It was only after Austen's death in 1817, Henry, her brother, published Persuasion and Northanger Abbey for the first time, identifying his sister as the author. And then that's where she got the praise from. Um, yeah, it was pretty intense. And like also the Bronte sisters all had aliases, like Ellis for Emily and Acton for Anne and Anne, who was Belle. Like, oh, his, his yeah. the... The full name was Acton Bell. I think I remember there was a whole... We had a conversation about this in, in English. Um, it's just completely... I just... I can't believe that you would have to 
appear as a man just to receive some sort of praise or something. Because if you were a woman and you had written something so beautiful, like mm -hmm. if you read any of their, their novels, it's just so incredibly yeah. well yeah, written a, and, not and articulated. And not to know the praise that they would have received yeah. in future decades. It's just the fact that because you are a woman, yeah. you wouldn't be considered educated enough. I mean, the fact that they couldn't even receive a degree, they couldn't get a proper education. Yeah. The fact that they still had written such like incredible pieces of work is just... They it will is, never it know is vile merits. like that thought. They, they will, basically, they, yeah, they'll yeah. never know their merits. Because their whole life they had been... Ostracized, doing it. Yeah, ostracized, degraded. Just being so desperate to to have their voice heard is just so like obsessing because yeah, they tried is. so hard yet their attempts are just like ultimately the, yeah. futile like the best authors back then but they just couldn't admit it like the patriarchal yeah. society could admit that in their eyes a woman who was viewed as below has written a better book than most men ever yeah. could yeah. and like the iconic like Mary Ann Evans in the Victorian era, era who we still now know today by her alias mm. uh, George Eliot is like not even her real name has lived on. Like, it's her male alias. I would say that her, her male alias is more well known. Yeah. Which is like, <laughs> completely, just completely, I don't know how I would feel. Mm. Mm. Because, like, it is yeah. just disgusting that, like, the actual author, no one, well, not that yes. no one cares, but she's not remembered. Yeah, the alias exactly. that she was forced to use is remembered. Yeah. It's also the fact regarding Othello. Um, Desdemona is, of course, she has like power, I guess, over her words, over her father, but ultimately she's still past. Yeah, yeah she's still yeah. stuck in that traditional role of how a daughter, how a wife should act. Yeah, also, Iago feels he can say some obscene things. The derogatory and no terms one cares, and like no one cares. Passed around. Yeah. Yeah. Women just pass from their husbands, their fathers to their husbands. Yeah, and the fact that Othello is of higher rankings, mm. Mm. although he is a man, he's still seen as, I guess, less so as a white man would be, yeah. but just because of his the colour of his skin, yet yeah. Desdemona still is still, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like her father literally cut her off for marrying the love of her life like that's yeah. barely anything that could be as cruel as that on the topic of race and feminism during the first phase of the feminism in <clears throat> like the mid 19th century did you say yeah like the early mid 19th century i think like the suffragette movement yeah, yeah. um women of, women of color even in the marches that they took on the streets uh, they were forced to march to the back despite being the same one cause for women mm. and the whole vote women getting the vote through that movement only got white women and women of color the years after which is must be imagine how painful it would have been for white authors it's like even worse yeah. for women of color yeah. Yeah. and Simone de Beauvoir on another note um Actually, like, what Aristotle said was, like, I regarded Aristotle as someone intelligent until, yeah. like... But that's the... It just goes to show. Yeah. Like, we'll tell you. We'll, we, ha we have a quote. <laughs> we have a quote from Aristotle. He was a very well-educated man. He was... He said some very... Very, religion, if that's the word. But I guess valid. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> valid points. But even so, 
like the way he would talk about women is just atrocious. Yeah, I mean, he's still seen as like one of the best philosophers. Yeah, I yeah. feel like a lot of people don't know like some of the yeah. awful yeah. things he said. And we, we heard his work. We we talk about him. We discuss him in English as well, and we don't we don't recognize him on a negative light. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay, let's take the quote. We have the quote. <laughs> okay. So he said we should regard women's nature as suffering from natural defectiveness, um, which Du Beauvoir notes in her book The Second Sex. Um, and in relation to St. Thomas's words, the female is female by virtue of a certain lack of qualities to like link and decreed that women were was considered to be an incomplete man and an incidental being. And this relates to the Genesis story, which symbolizes like when Eve appears as if drawn from Adam's supernumerary. Taken from this rib, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like even when people look to religion as their faith, who women, who women like are born into religion and believe the Genesis story, and even that is telling them they're it's not just their indoctrination from day yeah, one. Exactly. exactly. They're not their own person. It's the fact that people. And even now, in modern times, people, some people still view women as an extension of a man and that they can't be a whole being themselves if they don't have a husband, a boyfriend, even their father or any, any male figure in their life. And if, even if that male figure is absent, that like seems like an excuse if, if they're like sexually active they're like yeah. oh, oh she didn't have a father I've yeah. yeah. heard that too many times and yeah. I probably There's, like to think yeah exactly and okay just to end off with more from De Beauvoir's book because it's like really interesting when I read it so she talks about how man thinks himself without women women does not think of herself without man like Ross was talking about indoctrination so women are like grown up to think that they need a man mm. to which Simone de Beauvoir analytically states and she is nothing other than what the man decides men see themselves above women in society therefore anyone who went against those values will cut out to ensure their standing of dominion so it's again like if you as, as mentioned in Othello as well and in Streetcar like when women act out of place of their stereotype given by men they're met with like complete anger and like they need to be put in their place basically yeah. that's the way when Stanley beats his wife mm. it's he's like oh I'm putting her in her place I'm not sure if that's the exact quote but he justifies it as that yeah exactly and it's also like the fact that Stanley receives no real objection yeah he's just allowed to do what he does mm -hmm. because he justifies it because of his gender yeah. because that's his stereotypical role the within the household yeah and then stella just has to idly sit there and, and accept, accept it, it and take every single blow also with blanche as well mm. however like stella's like really going like through and doesn't do anything to win the, the game of life for yeah. her i would say it's just the the depiction of women has always just been so vile. Yeah, the fact that so many have just had to sit there and take every single blow, every single comment taken towards them. I even in, I, I I feel as though if you talk to any woman, you they, they will tell you an experience mm. that they had and regarding that. It's a horrible that. thing yeah. when you like ask them that. Like I remember we did it in history. I'm not going to say the person's name, but. We was, it was we got into politics. It was like catcalling. The girl next to us was like, "Yeah, I've been catcalled loads of times." I was like, "What? 
Yeah. At like 17, you're like, what? Yeah, even before that, when I was 14, I was getting catcalled. Like, it's just... I feel like, I don't know, from like a male perspective, a lot of men just uh, don't want to be awful, but just either aren't aware or don't care. Mm. Like, it is a problem in society. It's like, it's an innate justification. Yeah. There's this boys will be boys. Yeah, that, that whole oh, that yes, is a bad phrase. That yeah. phrase <laughs> infuriates <laughs> me like, uh, because boys will be It's an excuse for like flout anything awful you can do. Is all oh, boys yeah. will be boys. It's just yeah. implying that it's nobody's okay. going to change and nothing is going to change and you just have to accept the fact that mm. everything will stay the same. Like in Carter's book, like I'm gonna wrap this up quick, but like I'm gonna say, yeah. Carter's book, um, uh, the bloody, the bloody chamber, she tries to like tear down archetypes of, of uh, stereotypes of the genders. Um, however, critics have like told her like you've actually like um, amplified it because she's taken two extremes of male sexuality like one being the male being the the marquee who's seen as this like dangerous and thrilling guy who like who basically has loads of young wives who are virgins and then the classic kind of macho i've got all the girls kind of guy yeah who like only is interested in virgins and then like kills them and like so there's like that thrilling like dangerous aspect compared to the hero what carter describes to us as the hero which is john eves who's a blind pianist who is almost seems asexual and wants to help um the nameless heroine Mm. um but by doing that she's like picturing like there's she's basically saying there's no sexual dimension to a good relationship which of course is like really narrow view and Mm. but however i was stating how like she's only showing a dichotomy like it's a sliding scale there's more like she's just showing how bad it is and highlighting how bad and impactful the stereotypes can be Mm. i feel like we should wrap this up yeah let's go but like that's completely you're completely correct you're right, it's just, yeah. anyway just yeah what what should we say to wrap this up you know because we we're might we might continue because there there mm. obviously there are so many things that you can say yeah. and there's so many things to discuss and i feel like we can't you can't yeah. just compact it into one quick discussion i feel this was like a little taster for you guys yeah. <laughs> so i think you know it's best to look at how women's voices have transcended through yeah. how they've been able to well I don't know I don't think appears yeah. the right word but start to become more mainstream yeah, yeah. and accepted yeah, rec- yeah. yeah. like accepted. feminist literature has always been there it's just now it's receiving mm-hmm. praise through the literature now it's receiving the right praise yeah even in like the early 1700s like it wasn't even considered feminism mm-hmm. it was just women portraying a female voice yeah. it's kind of like I mean, the yellow wallpaper like the way john treats wife she's like oh he does love me i'm like mm. oh, <laughs> calling someone oh little girls like mm. she's just had a kid yeah. like it's bad when you call like a child it yeah. it's a bit yeah. and now like a grown adult is yeah. just like oh yeah, he treats her like a child mm. feminist literature has always been around even in jane's household where she would there would be reading circles and they would discuss her novel even though they knew that she couldn't publish it. Mm. So, yeah. Okay, well, welcome. Thank you for this very listening. enlightening <laughs> conversation, yeah. guys. Great conversation. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Thank no you problem. for listening to the Good Feminine Content Podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>
Dun, dun. Women empowerment, guys. <laughs> <laughs>